Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast, where we strive to provide great preaching and teaching so that listeners will discover or rediscover the goodness, truth, and beauty of our Catholic faith. If you are interested in supporting the work we are doing, visit us at drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are inspired, uplifted, and encouraged. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the Litany of Trust. My name is Father Adam Potter, and today we enter into Day 7. From refusals and reluctances and accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. Um, Really looking forward to today's chapter. Wow, powerful as we get right to the heart of our own will being submitted to God's will and trusting him at this real core place of who we are. Um, first, just wanted to offer a word of encouragement. You're here coming into the, the second week. Each week, uh, I'm planning on releasing six of these episodes to help accompany you and uh, with kind of a, a day off that helps me kind of space it out in this busy time of uh, the year and everything, and hopefully to help give you some time too. the I want to give you a word, first of all, of encouragement to really stay faithful to spending time with this, the reading and the podcast too, that can hopefully be an assistance to you. And then as I, I keep really encouraging is that time in prayer, that time before the Lord, if you can make it to a church in front of the Blessed Sacrament, that's that's the place to be. If, if it's just in the secret of your own room, the Lord Jesus says the Father will bless you there too. So wherever you can to find that silence, that stillness, and that, that space of prayer to bring our hearts before him to really allow these things to come into the light and that the Lord might heal us, free us, and give us that, that increase in trust that we so need to be in a, a deeper relationship with him. And the other word is not just of encouragement, to uh, to keep going and, and to be faithful, but I guess also a word of encouragement that if you have stumbled a little bit and gotten behind, yeah, again, not to be discouraged at all. This isn't a, a race in any way. This isn't a, a competition or I guess too with some of these other consecrations and things, there's like a deadline that we're we're aiming for and we have to, again, if you need more time on a particular day petition or several of these and you need to go back and do a couple please do right whatever whatever works out best for you and your own journey with the lord is is what it's all about i hope uh hope you're all doing okay too i yeah just do really appreciate this is a big ask what we're doing right now and coming before the lord and asking for more trust and i can just tell you with great honesty. My life is hard. <laughs> it's not not that hard. But it's like, oh man, I just like am so grateful. The Lord's given me so many opportunities to trust him, to trust him. And um, for me, yeah, like there's just the temptation to kind of freak out or sometimes there's the temptation just to kind of like, ah, run and hide, <laughs> go, go off, find a, a cave or something, find St. Francis or St. Benedict. And yeah, just to yeah, the Lord's really been good at just allowing me to not just preach it, but giving me opportunities to live it and just to to keep showing up, 
That's kind of how the Lord reveals it in my own life. To keep showing up, to keep being present, and to keep, um, yeah, not being afraid to to make those sacrifices and, and to give him room and space to really reveal to me that he is there and he is working and he will give me what, what I need. And for me to sacrifice my own expectations of I was supposed to look like this or it was supposed to be this way and to really receive what the Lord um, has for me. So I think that's actually a really good launch, if you will, into our our day seven. So if you're ready, let's go there. Again, this is from the refusals and reluctances in accepting your will. Deliver me, Jesus. I think this is Sister Faustina's best chapter. She just brings it all together with uh, a great image from Scripture with Joseph of the Old Testament and then bringing us right there to the heart of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and this incredible prayer of his own wrestling in his humanity to hand over his will to his Father. So um, how do we appreciate this? Let's appreciate it from the perspective of Joseph. If you need a reminder of St. Joseph, please go back and spend some time reading his story in Genesis. He has uh, a life of um, growing up and being the favorite of his father Jacob, um, one of the youngest of his 12 sons. And out of this comes, of course, a great jealousy from his other brothers, as you know the story, if you read it, that if you read the chapter, if you know if you know your Bible, you know that it's that envy, it's that jealousy that arises in his his brothers. And here, just to appreciate Joseph, is completely innocent. Um, yeah, truly an innocent party in this, and yet he's not understood. He's cast aside, um, sold not just into to slavery, but really his brothers left him to die. Talk about a betrayal at the real heart core of who you are, not even being accepted or protected by your brothers. And then his story is just crazy. Sister Faustina gave us um, some really good insights, but missed some of my favorite details. Is uh, Joseph, according to the Bible, you can see this Genesis 39 verse 6, was handsome and good looking. And so even after he uh, is sold into slavery, his own uh, competence and good looks kind of get him to this position where uh, he comes to be one of the leaders of Egypt. But this good, these good looks get him into trouble because his master's wife is attracted to him and she tries to sleep with him. Well, Joseph continually refuses, and not in a rude way, but as the scriptures reveal, out of a heart that's of purity and really not wanting to betray uh, this sacred relationship of a husband and a wife. And you would think like, wow, that should be honored and that should be reverent. No, there's hurt and betrayal from the wife. And so she actually frames him and gets Joseph thrown in prison. And it's there in prison that Joseph, right, to imagine at each of these different places, how he was wrestling with his own understanding of where God was, what he was doing. He comes across uh, these two individuals in prison. There's a baker and a butler, and he has his one of his first opportunities to interpret dreams. And there in the prison, he's able to interpret these dreams for these two figures, only to have them being given an opportunity to 
redeem themselves before the Pharaoh. And so they're able to come into Pharaoh's good graces, at least the butler is, uh, the baker, according to the dream that Joseph interpreted, ended up being hung. But the butler comes into the Pharaoh's good graces. And one of the last things that Joseph asked of these two people, if you ever get a chance, remember me. And then it says very clearly, and the butler forgot Joseph. And so there's Joseph, right? Just continuing to try and trust in the Lord, trying to be generous, offering his, his gifts, and he's completely forgotten. Finally, uh, when Pharaoh starts having dreams, the butler has like this flashback. Oh yeah, there is that Joseph in a prison who interpreted my dreams. Maybe he can help you out. And through this butler, years later, Joseph is given an opportunity to show his gifts, how the Lord is with him, and interpret Pharaoh's dreams of the seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And because of this, Joseph is elevated to being the Lord of all of Egypt, truly like the second in command. Just to pause here. These, like, just to really appreciate Joseph's journey, Joseph's struggle of coming, receiving the love of his father at the very beginning and thinking, oh my gosh, this is it. This is what I long for. And to be able to have um, this family is an incredible gift. Betrayed, <laughs> like lost. And then all of a sudden, like from being left to die to really being brought out of the depths of death into this second opportunity, this second gift, only to have by doing the right thing, living a life of chastity, protecting the purity of this master's wife, betrayed, thrown in prison once again, offering himself for the good of these, this butler and the baker, forgotten once again, betrayed. And now all of a sudden he has the Lord come and rip him out of the prison to bring him into this position of prominence. Gosh, does your life ever feel like a roller coaster? And in a way, we can kind of appreciate that whenever I mess up, whenever I sin, whenever I give in to selfishness or egoism, that, okay, I I can kind of justify that I deserve (laughs) to be betrayed or to not be given these different things that I would really like or I feel like I deserve. But it's especially hard whenever we're striving to do the Lord's will We're striving to do the right thing. And yet, even still, we come across difficulty. Sister Faustina has this really good line that's important for us to to take to heart. It's at the bottom of page 45. God does not will evil. should say that again. God does not will evil. God does not want anyone to be sold into slavery. Rather, it pains him to see someone suffer. God does allow evil, but he allows it to bring about a greater good than if it hadn't happened at all. This is a really important thing for us as Christians to appreciate and, um, and, and take to heart. And this, can, this is not an easy thing because we do understand God to be all-knowing, omnipresent, Um there in, in every single moment and to see some of these greatest tragedies in our world and even in our own lives and to think about how God could be present to that, that God could permit that. Um, and this distinction, right, between willing and allowing, I don't know, almost sounds just like semantics when we really come across 
a grief and a loss that has um, no semblance in the realm of justice or or like deserving this. And sometimes we can fall into like self-hatred or blaming, or maybe I did do something to deserve it. And it's just not true. God, out of his love for us, willed that we would have freedom, that we would have freedom to respond freely to his love. And it's in this gift of freedom that it opens up the door for evil to take place, not of his choosing it or willing it, but in the necessary consequence of you and I and humanity having freedom and that sin comes into the world, evil comes into the world, the world all of a sudden becomes broken and that there are injustices that come not from God's direct willing it, but from for him allowing it. And this, in the end, we see in a glorious way how the Lord God shows to enter into it and to really show just how present he is to the evil as he on the cross reveals the greatest insight that he's not afraid of this evil. He's not afraid of even the most, the most horrific act of injustice as he hung upon the cross, taking all the evil, all the sin onto himself, all the while being the only one who is truly pure and sinless. And it's in this that he's able to show us this incredible insight into his allowing or permitting evil is so that a greater good can come from it. And we see that in the glory of the cross. And in a beautiful way, we see it in the story of Joseph, who, because of his trust in the Lord, is able to accept his will against his own understandings or expectations and come to this place where he is confronted with his own brothers who left him for dead. And there's great moments in the recounting of the story where he goes into the other room and um, he's just overwhelmed with emotion. And think about it, right? What would be going on in your own mind and your own heart to be confronted with the very people who you're so close to, who stabbed you in the back, left you for dead. How tempted would you or I be for any semblance of justice, of revenge, or just trying to shove their face in it, right? Like whatever it would be, however it would manifest, you can only imagine Joseph's temptation. And yet it's there that he's able to reveal to them his love, his mercy. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God meant it for good. God meant it for good. Where do we need to hear that in our own lives of different ways that we, in striving to be faithful to the Lord, striving to believe in him, can really come to an encounter with evil in the world, evil in those people closest to us, misunderstandings, or really just feeling, I don't know, a sense of abandonment from the Lord. And all the while to remember, God means it for good, that he's not afraid of the evil, the mess, the sorrow, the loss, the grief, so that he can turn it around for something even better. The human heart, says Sister Faustina at the end of this section on page 47, the human heart often seeks to comprehend before it can submit. And yet how often it is only in hindsight that we can see with his infinite wisdom. 
Trust knows that God always intends my good. Um, yeah, one of, one of the ways that the Lord has done this in my own life is really coming to these different moments of ordination, both as a deacon, but then especially as a priest. And I can just tell you the Lord's given me a lot of opportunities to really trust him um, as I know myself and all of my other brothers who have come through the seminary at this time, this time in the church where there is so much uncertainty, there is really an uncovering of a lot of mess and corruption and um, betrayal and and all these things that are just, yeah, bring about a great uncertainty with, Lord, what are you doing? is the ultimate question, right? Like, what are you doing? And this uh, idea of giving my life for the Lord as a priest, one of the first things that I had to do as a a priest in my parish assignment was in um, 2018 and have to um, really accept the revelation of the grand jury report that uncovered in a lot of ways, once again, the real malfeasance of of a, a number of priests that really took advantage of their positions of power and took advantage of the most innocent of boys and girls. And, and to have to like be associated with that in a way that, of course, I had nothing to do with. Um, and, and yet here, just kind of like struggling, like, Lord, what are you doing? Like how, this isn't what I thought my priesthood would be or be associated with. And, and here I am. And in this idea of, I wanted to comprehend before I could submit. I wanted to like fully understand, um, what my priesthood would look like or what the future would look like of, of the church or of the, just the priesthood in general, or what my ministry would look like. And, and I'm guessing that's relatable in, all of your lives, different moments. And maybe it's a big moment, like like a vocation, like a marriage, or maybe it's just a big moment, like making a commitment to a school or to a program or to a move of your family, of your own life. And, and we still want to comprehend. We still, still want to know, what's this going to look like? How can I have, can I have any guarantees? And yet trust is what's required. Trust that knows that God always intends my good. So can we take this just before the Lord and to really enter into his agony in the garden? Sister Faustina does a really masterful job of giving us some of the insights of Jesus, his love for you and for me, and knowing everything that would be demanded of him. And not just physically, you know, sometimes we can just see the the physical sufferings, the scourges, the whips, the lashes, the spitting, the nailing, and the hanging. Sometimes, and and there's a lot there, right? Crucifixion was one of the most horrific ways. The Romans were masters at execution and torture. But to appreciate not only the physical, but the spiritual, the emotional, the psychological that Jesus went through as well, as he knew the weight of everything that he was doing, taking all of you, me, the brokenness of the world into his own heart and offering that. And we know that Jesus is fully God. He's also fully man. 
And so there in the garden, we get one of the most powerful insights into the ways that in his own will, his own human will, he was given the greatest opportunity to trust in his father, to trust in his father. And here's where you and I might want to project, like this isn't a questioning of whether or not his father is good or trustworthy, but in his own humanity and the limitations of not being able to see or perhaps even in the gifts that the Lord gave him that he had as Lord, knowing what the betrayal would look like, knowing that even those people closest to him, think of Joseph, think of his brothers, think of Jesus' disciples, think about 2,000 years later, you and me in the ways that we've come to encounter his love and know his love, and yet still we choose our own way and we, we betray him, that he would know all of that and all the ways that he was tortured and tr- truly that evil was just unleashed. Satan was tempting him and planting all these seeds of doubt, of questioning. And yet, more than holding on to the thoughts of what should be, Jesus desires what the Father desires. The line in Scripture that has pierced my own heart that I've said many times, and I try to pray it with uh, as much sincerity and conviction and surrender as possible is the father if you are willing let this cup pass for me nevertheless not my will but your will be done and in such a real way we have to appreciate this is what won us our salvation what won us our salvation was jesus christ perfectly trusting in the father remember how we talked about the original sin of adam and eve comes down to not trusting in the father not submitting to his will, right? What undoes that is Jesus's perfect submission to the Father, that despite what I can see, despite what I can know, I trust in you and I give my will over. God's will is a plan to bring us into union with him and is always a wellspring of new life. A great thing for us to do in these moments of struggling with trusting in in his will, kind of looking at our own situation, the the circumstances of our life that um, can be filled with a lot of uncertainty, turmoil, suffering, loss, that we might not be afraid to see Jesus present to us in those moments in a way that he doesn't just desire to fix it and to come and make it all better, but he desires union with us right? So in those moments of sorrow, of loss, of uncertainty, of frustration, of feeling abandoned or betrayed, whatever it might be, that we might be able to bring that to the Lord, to relate it to him so that we can find a real union with him. Because he's experienced this, right? He's experienced this in the sinlessness that is his immaculate divine nature and taking on the fullness of our humanity without sin so that we might be able to find in those moments of loss, union with him. He also knows loss. In those moments of frustration, we might find union with him because he also knows frustration. In those moments of betrayal, like to bring it to him. He knows the betrayal. And, and to not be afraid to really find that intimacy that the Lord is just waiting to give us. Um, some of these at the end of this section, she asks a really, really important question. 
challenging. So yeah, that I might read this and we might all just receive this with knowing that it comes from a a good place and a, a powerful invitation. Are we only loving him, trusting him because we have liked or understood everything so far? He longs to be loved, not for what he does, but for who he is. God knows that by inviting us into living a selfless love, we can begin to live his will, which is most true to our dignity while creating a deep intimacy with him. A great question that goes back even to Sister Faustina saying the the prompting of this entire book was Jesus really reflecting to her that he's calling her not to give her yes to a set of circumstances, but to him but to him. And so, yeah, for us too, to, to look at that. So spend some time, spend some time um, asking the Lord where he's inviting us to greater intimacy, asking him to reveal, reveal to us where is the Lord calling us to pray even um, with an even greater sense of surrender. Thy will be done. We pray it all the time, every day in the Our Father, thy will be done. Have we really taken to heart what that means? Thy will be done. And it'd be really good uh, to consider where have you, where have I seen God's faithfulness revealed in situations in our past life that turned out differently than we planned? That's that last uh, invitation that, that she gives us. Then that's so good, right? We all need that. Joseph needed that to be able to look back. It's like, man, I've been here before, but I know that I trusted him in the bottom of that pit. And he got me out of it. And I know that I've been in slavery before, but he brought me out of it before. Here I am in prison, but I know he's brought me out of bad situations before so that we might continue to, to trust in him, make those acts of faith, and to give him room to bring us to something better. With that, let's turn to our litany of trust. Praying, praying for the grace to truly, fully surrender to the Lord, especially in in his perfect will. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The litany of trust, from the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From belief in your love and presence, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. That you are holding me, sustaining me, loving me. Jesus, I trust in you that your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. 
that you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you, that my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you, that you will not leave me orphan, that you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you, that your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you, that you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me. Jesus, I trust in you, that you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. Jesus, I trust in you, that you give me all the strength I need for what is asked. Jesus, I trust in you, that my life is a gift. Jesus, I trust in you, that you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you, that you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you, that I am your beloved one. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode. To learn more about Drybones Ministries, events, and initiatives, and to support this podcast, go to drybonespgh.org. Thanks, and God bless you.